The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC, and here is your top five at five. Searching for direction. Futures flat as the S&P comes off its best day in more than two weeks. Energy crisis, power prices in Europe surging to multi-year highs. Experts say the situation likely to get worse as winter approaches. Washington Watch, a House committee passing a sweeping plan to raise taxes on companies and the wealthy. COVID boosters, Moderna out with new trial data, making its case for another jab. And liftoff, SpaceX making history, launching the first all-civilian crew into space. It's all happening on this Thursday, September 16th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome, as always, from wherever in the world you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Thanks for joining us here on Worldwide Exchange. Get right now to it and get a check on the markets and your money after some nice gains for nearly everything on Wednesday. All the major averages gaining nearly a full percent. Futures right now, eh, not as optimistic or without as much direction. They are basically flat. NASDAQ futures down just a touch. You can see there it is Yom Kippur, by the way, so trading volumes may certainly be reduced. All right, all this coming as oil and gas stocks surged on Wednesday, in part because the price of natural gas just took right off. Gas up more than 5% at one point, ending up nearly 4% to almost five and a half bucks per million BTU. Natural gas is now up 120% in just six months. Now, that's going to impact a lot of things, including your winter heating bill or the cost of air conditioning in the next few months and the cost of chemical production. We're going to get more on what is happening in gas and why it's even worse in Europe in just a couple of minutes. Net gas down just a touch, but still at 540. Wow, what a run there. Well, speaking of overseas, let's get a check on the overnight trading picture there as well. The Asian market's closed down across the board. Shanghai and Hong Kong down more than 1.5%. Casino stocks there slammed again after getting crushed 20, 25, 30%, all amid the government crackdown on the sector. A lot of concerns for investors. Those stocks did not rebound. In fact, Sands China down another 8%. Wow. The early trade in Europe is higher for the most part. Germany and France up more than a half percent there as well. So a little bit of a divergence between the Asian markets and the European markets, which are looking a lot better. All right, more in the markets as always in moments. But right now, let's get you caught up on some of the key headlines happening now, including the Democrats moving one step closer to a three and a half trillion dollar spending bill and some higher taxes to pay for it. Bertha's back with us this morning and joins us with the headlines. Bertha, good morning. Good Hey, good morning, Brian. So let's start out in Washington, where the House Ways and Means Committee passed its sweeping tax plan that would raise taxes on corporations and the wealthy, all in a bid to pay for the President Biden's $3.5 trillion spending bill. Here's Ways and Means Chairman Richard Neal. 
Our attempt here is not to redistribute wealth, not to punish success, not to curb innovation, as much as it is simply to broaden opportunity. Yesterday afternoon's committee vote fell along party lines, but now Democrats still have to negotiate the package within their own party with some big disagreements between the House and the Senate. In corporate news, Moderna releasing more data from its phase three study of its COVID vaccine. The company says the findings support the push for wide use of booster shots. That's because Moderna found so-called breakthrough cases of vaccinated people getting COVID happened less often among the group of trial participants who were more recently inoculated. This is something that's being widely debated right now within the FDA. Meantime, check out this video. Last night's SpaceX all-civilian launch. The Inspiration 4 crew lifted off shortly after 8 p.m. from the Kennedy Space Center. The four-person team will spend the next three days circling the Earth at an orbital altitude of 360 miles above the planet, which is higher than the International Space Station. No American has been that far into space in more than a decade. The crew will return to Earth this Saturday, where they are expected to land in the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Florida. Brian, are you itching to get to space? I would do it 100 percent. I'm available. I know Morgan Brennan's in line ahead of me, but I would be (laughs) next up for CNBC. Absolutely. I feel like I've done most things here on terra firma. I'd like to get up there. Check it I, out. I, I still you? have a bucket list on this planet, I think. Uh, I still have plenty of places I want to go on this planet. I don't, I don't think I need to go to space just yet. Yeah, fair. there's some places I would certainly like to go. Morocco, Disneyland, places like that. Bertha, thank you. <laughs> Disneyland. All right, we're going to get back to Bertha in a few minutes. Right now, let's get a check on the markets. And here is some potentially good news about the rest of the year. According to Bespoke Investment Group Research, In years where the S&P 500 has made the kinds of gains that we have this year, the index tends to go higher the rest of the year. In other words, history is on your side. But that's not always what happens. Let's talk more about it with Vance Howard, CEO and Portfolio Manager at Howard Capital Management. Vance, welcome back. History may be on our side. We know that. But it does feel like with all the stuff happening in the markets and all the stuff coming up, the fiscal cliff, the fight over this or that, it does feel like the market is a little more on shaky ground maybe than it has been all year. How do you see it? Well, when you look at the major indexes, the NASDAQ and the S&P, they, they look a little tired to us. Now, that, I'm in no way saying that, that, that the trend is not going to continue to move higher because we firmly believe that it is. It, kind of like the old saying is, uh, don't fight the Fed, well, don't fight the trend either. But that doesn't mean we're not due for a correction or a pullback. So I, I clearly think that we are. Um, you know, the NASDAQ and the, the S&P, they've just been marching forward, uh, you know, day in and day out without any kind of meaningful uh, pullback or correction. And, and a correction is, is, a, is, a, is a positive thing. It needs to happen from time to time. Yeah. And if we get that correction, which we have not had in, I mean, you know, obviously the pandemic hit. So really 18 months was the first time, although that was, I don't want to call it an artificial correction, but certainly was related to something much bigger than the stock market itself. Uh, would that be any kind of a buying opportunity? I mean, if you're in it for the long haul, you're supposed to buy lower, I think. 
Yeah, well, you know, our proprietary indicated the HCM byline, and we tell our investors all the time, any pullback, as long as it's positive, is a buying opportunity. So you'll see us buying into that pullback if we get one. And, you know, we haven't had one in such a long time, but I'm seeing so many things broaden out. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities still out there that things aren't really that far overextended or overbought, like small caps, biotech. You know, I was in. I was looking at uh, Intel this morning, and Intel's looking incredibly positive to us. It's making on a short-term basis, and it's making higher highs and and moving higher, and it crossed above its fifty-day moving average. I think it's a great trade here as a turning trade to close out the end of the year, maybe up in the mid sixties, maybe maybe up pushing seventy. Wow, watching Intel. Then, are you bullish on the other semiconductor stocks or just Intel? Well, you know. <laughs> You know, Brian, I've been bullish on semiconductors for quite some time now, and it's been an ugly trade. I mean, you look at the chart, and it's not been a very pretty trade, but it's doing exactly what we, we wanted it to do, which is move higher and make us money. But, you know, we, we like the semiconductor trade, and uh, we think that they're going to move higher towards the end of the year. We think it's a good catch-up trade. It hasn't moved as high as some of the other uh, in- indexes has. So we're, we're very bullish on the semiconductors. But i got to tell you, that Intel trade is looking more and more positive to us. I mean, just catching the turns down here, when you catch the turns on a major stock like that that acts like it wants to move higher uh, in a real rapid pace, I mean, it's just a good short-term trade, I think. By the way, if you like semis, we've got some interesting data in our insider buying segment on one name in the space coming up. That's what we call a tease in the business. Vance, I heard you referenced small caps. I mean, they were red hot to begin the year. Then they cooled way down. It's a big group. They're starting to show some signs of life as well. Where do you stand on the small caps? Well, you know, they came out the first of the year, and they looked just terrific. And then for the rest of the year, the past seven, eight months, they're like DOA, like dead on arrival. And, but I, don't, I, don't, I think that what they're doing is they're building up a classic base here, and I think they are going to break out towards the end of the year. And, you know, Brian, the funny thing about small caps, they're kind of bizarre because they'll sit there and go sideways and do nothing for a long period of time. But when they decide to run, man, they're a horse, and they run fast. Yeah, they certainly do. I mean, how would you play it? Do you go individual stocks? Do you go an ETF? Do you buy the Russell 2000? How, how would we do that if our audience agrees and says, yeah, I'd like to get into the small caps? VBK. I'd buy VBK, Vanguard, small cap growth. You get everything there. Trying to pick out the, the, you know, the next great small cap is kind of a challenge. Just buy the whole basket, and I think you'll get just as much bang for the buck. But VBK has been setting up just perfectly. I mean, it's almost like a classic William O'Neill breakout. If we can get that breakout, I think we're going to get a really good runner in small caps towards the end of the year. I think you can make, make the cash register ring in a pretty short-term uh, basis. And like you said, they tend to move hot. They tend to move fast. The VBK, we're watching Intel as well. Some real world ideas. Really appreciate it. Vance Howard, Howard Capital Management. Vance, have a great day. Thank you very much. All right. When we come back, this morning's big money movers, including a huge trading debut for a shoe company backed by that guy, Roger Federer. Plus, have you finished your Christmas shopping yet? Yeah, it may sound ridiculous, but it's not We'll give you another reason why coming up. And then later, a special Thursday edition of Insider Buying, our exclusive look at the executives snatching up the most of their own company's shares. We referenced one semiconductor company. It tops the list. We'll tell you who and more when we roll on right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts 
Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. All right, welcome back. Time now for your big money movers. The three key stock stories of the morning. Here we go. Stock number one is EA, Electronic Arts delaying its worldwide launch of Battlefield 2042, but only by a month. It will be released November 19th. EA is blending pandemic-related challenges for the game developers. Stock actually up. It's not responding at all. It's up 2%. Number two, on holding. Who? This is the shoe company backed by Roger Federer. Shares soaring more than 47% in their NYSE trading debut yesterday on is now valued at more than $11 billion and up 2.5% in extended hours. And stock number three, Cisco Systems. Credit Suisse upgrading Cisco to outperform from neutral with a $74 price target. They think that Cisco's long-term targets are rather conservative. That stock up just more than 1% right now. Well, there are still 100 days left until Christmas and 73 until Hanukkah. So, have you finished your holiday shopping yet? I know it sounds like a weird question, but it may not be because shipping and supply chain problems from any products are so bad, they may not be able to make it to stores before 2022. In fact, a new survey by KPMG, more than 100 retail executives found that 82% say they are somewhat or very concerned there will be shortages of toys and other inventory this holiday season. Let's talk more about this with James Zahn, senior editor at The Toy Insider, a leading industry publication. James, welcome back. I remember I was on the docks at the Port of Charleston, South Carolina, in late February of this year. And I was talking to the gentleman who runs the port, and he was saying that shipments of Christmas ornaments from the previous year were still coming off the boats, you know, really two to three to four months late. What do you expect to have happen this holiday season. Hey, good morning. We are running into some of that same stuff right now, but this is a situation unlike anything that we have ever seen before with toys or with consumer products just in general. We're in the midst of a jam up that basically started last summer when all of the factories reopened uh, following that first pandemic related closure period. And uh, basically it has been a ripple effect through the entire chain, both internationally and now domestically, because this stuff, if it gets out of manufacturing and finds a container, which are very expensive right now, gets onto a vessel, they're, they're sitting, there's sometimes up to 40 ships sitting off the West Coast by the Port of L.A. and Long Beach um, waiting for dock space. And then we get them in here and they have to be unloaded and there's shortages of workers and people get sick. And then it's truckers and it's rail. And what this is now leading to is regional issues. Uh, there, there's regional outages with toys where 
empty shelves in one city, but completely stocked somewhere else, because there's no way now to predict when this stuff is going to get there. And when it does get here, um, how it's going to make its way to all the different stores at the same time. It's almost impossible to target this. Yeah, as we showed back in February, a lot of these containers, which used to come off a ship from Asia and then go to the interior of the United States, fill up with stuff and go back, are now being shipped back to Asia empty because it's more profitable for them to go back in line. You've got your Hot 20 toy list coming out on September 22nd. By the way, send us a copy. I've got a young son. I want to know what's hot. Oh, we will. I mean, we're not trying, thank you. We're not trying to incite some toy panic among our viewers, but if you want, we, we joked. You want to get your holiday shopping done sooner than later, do you not, James? Yeah, so we always say shop early to avoid disappointment. And I have two little girls myself, so I'm there with Chase and things. But this year is so weird because you want to shop early, but you don't want to shop too early because some of the stuff's not even here yet. And there are things, too. You know, we we prepped this Hot 20. We've been looking at toys for months. But there were some things that we thought were really great that we had to nix because they're just not going to be here for the season. So hopefully the stuff that we've identified will be abundant and we think that those products will. But there is literally no way to predict this. It's a complete dice roll because... You might find it at your store today and tomorrow it might not be there and it might not be restocked again until January. And there are some products that were on target for uh, basically November, December delivery dates that are now January, February. So well after the holidays, you mentioned it earlier, there's an early Hanukkah this year. It's two days after Black Friday that kicks off and then uh, Christmas is coming. So It's going to be really interesting. And of course, there are options out there. There's a lot of stuff that is available in U.S. warehouses. And we we went to a trade show in Minneapolis back in August, the Astra Show, which is all the independent toy stores. And the two big questions that everybody was asking is, what do you have in stock and uh, how quickly can I get it? So we actually identified more than 100 companies that do have products in stock in the U.S., fast ship and we put together this thing called the get list for our trade publication which is the toy book yeah and uh, that's a free resource it, to connect these retailers but is it stuff that people want james i'm sure there's a yes, lot of there stuff are some, in stock but the correct there are some things out there that uh, could be considered new old stock that is maybe discontinued, but still cool. Um, hot products, there are certainly some. And then, of course, this is creating this uh, sort of renewed focus on things that are made here in the U.S. And there aren't a lot of toys made in America, but there are some. And we're starting to see a little bit of a return to towards packaging. Because these container rates are so off the charts, what's happening is uh, some of the smaller toy makers are starting to pack those containers with goods that are not totally finished. So they're not in their retail packaging. They get them in and then they're packaging and doing final assembly here. Right now, that is not something that is scalable or sustainable, but then, you know, the light bulb's going off for some people that this is something we might want to look into because inflation, labor, it's, when is this going to end? Nobody knows. A year, two years? Maybe a reason to bring more. Prices are going up. 
maybe certainly a reason to bring more manufacturing back to the U.S. That, and of course, James, the father, all that weird packaging they do now in China where it's like the super vacuum sealed plastic and 72 ties and you have to use like industrial strength scissors to cut it off and then you cut your finger and then you break the... Anyway, James Zahn, James, we appreciate you coming on. Send us a preview of that toilet. Absolutely. We want to know what's hot. We'll, we'll, We'll show it off to our viewers, James. Thank you. Have a great day. Will do. Take care. All right, take care. Thank you. All right, big, it's a big story there, folks. You got young kids, you're looking for the hot toys. Don't wait this year. All right, still on deck. Get ready to break out your card, not your credit card. America's biggest county says you need to show your vaccination ID to get into a bar. Details from L.A. And we're back. Today's big number, $3 trillion. That will be the total output of the ocean economy by 2030, twice its current level, according to Bank of America. There are likely to be more than 40 million ocean-based jobs by then, roughly the size of Germany's labor force. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome back. Let's get now to today's top trending stories, which include things like passwordless protection, L.A. bar requirements, and a rather nutty weekend getaway. Bertha Coombs back now with those. Bertha. Thanks, Brian. So Microsoft is now allowing users to sign into Microsoft accounts without a password. Starting immediately, sign-ins will only require the Microsoft Authenticator app, a security key, or a one-time code. Microsoft's head of security telling The Verge that the increasing number of cyber attacks as well as hybrid workplace, a hybrid workplace world, influence that move. Meanwhile, further south from Silicon Valley, Los Angeles County will begin requiring proof of COVID-19 vaccines in indoor bars. Starting October 7th, proof of at least one vaccine dose will have to be shown in order to allow entry. By November 4th, full vaccination will be mandatory. And if you've ever wanted to go camping inside a giant peanut, and who hasn't, now's your chance. Planters is offering a contest where the grand prize is a two-night stay in the company's peanut-shaped RV called the Nutmobile. Peanut lovers can enter starting tomorrow for the whopping price of $3.59, the price of a jar of Planters peanuts. And a quick check of the top trending tickers right now on CNBC.com. Ten-year note as usual up above 131. AMC Entertainment, that meme stock, Prologis, Tesla, and Apple. Brian? I have a lot of questions about that motorhome. Um, <laughs> the inside, I don't know if we can run that video again. The inside looks a little bright. What do you, what do you think about the decor? Yeah, the whole thing looks a little the, bright. Uh, the, nut, the nutmobile. Yeah, well, uh, you know, as long as they have, if they have peanut butter, I'd be in. Crunchy. 
crunchy peanut butter. Smooth peanut butter is okay, but it, I'm all about the crunchy. Yeah, that looks, I mean, that, that video, I don't know, it looks like a toy. You know, I don't know if that James Zahn guy brought that along or what, but we'll see. Either way, the little bright inside the nutmobile, but a good value, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Coombs. I, I guess so. <laughs> Nuts. It depends on where the nutmobile goes. Bertha, thank you very much. <laughs> Coming up, could the heat actually turn off for millions of people in Europe this winter? We will talk about the growing power crisis there and soaring natural gas prices. And a reminder, if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you're out in the nutmobile, you can listen to Worldwide Exchange, download it, follow it, whatever. But any major podcasting platform, Dow Futures are up one point. We're back right after this. Will the everything rally roll on? The Dow and the S&P putting a stop to their September slide, but futures, they appear to be losing steam. Could Europe actually run out of steam and power this winter? What is behind natural gas's huge pricing surge? Why it could be a very long, cold winter overseas. And sometimes it pays to believe in yourself. The popular digital chat site Discord seeing its valuation soar holding off on buyout bids. It's Thursday, September 16th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Oh, welcome or welcome back, everybody, and good Thursday morning, 531 on the East Coast. Thanks for joining us. All right, let's get right now to it and get a check on the markets and your money after some nice gains for nearly everything on Wednesday. The major averages, of course, gaining nearly a full percent across the board yesterday. Futures, they are more muted right now. Do keep in mind that it is Yom Kippur, so you might see trading volumes on the lower side. All that coming, even as oil and gas stocks surged, in part because the price of natural gas took off. Nat gas yesterday up more than 5% at one point, up nearly 4% ending the session to almost 5.5 bucks per million BTU. Natural gas now up 120% in just six months. Wow. Let's also get a quick check on the cryptos as well, because Ether and Bitcoin both also had nice days on Wednesday. We told you it was the everything rally. We are seeing both higher right now. In fact, Ether is up 37 or 36.27. Bitcoin just above 48K. All right, more in stocks of the market soon. But as always, there is much more going on than just the markets. And so let's get more in your top stories right now. See what else is happening. Bertha is back with those. Bertha. Oh, I'm going to be Bertha. All right. Discord's valuation has apparently doubled thanks to a new round of funding. According to reports, the digital chat company pulled in $500 million in this latest round. That puts the valuation at around $15 billion, up from the $7 billion based on last year's funding round. This comes as several companies approached Discord about an acquisition earlier this year, including Microsoft, by the way, with its $12 billion reported bid. One of the top officials at the biggest NFT marketplace is being accused of insider trading on the platform. OpenSea's product chief being accused by site users of using internal information to buy NFTs before they were featured on the homepage of the platform and then reselling them after they were highlighted and the price already went up. OpenSea, for its part, seemingly acknowledged the incident in a blog post, adding, 
They were conducting an immediate review on the matter. All right, staying with crypto, protesters in El Salvador burning a Bitcoin kiosk in the nation's capital. A video which has been circulating around the Internet showing the fire amid demonstrations against the country's president over his recent adoption of Bitcoin as legal tender and his moves to consolidate power. The adoption has faced criticism within the country over the rapid manner in which it was approved. Brian, what do you think about that? Well, I don't know. I think that people probably in El Salvador are not buying a lot of Bitcoin right now. Back to you, Brian. All right. Let's get more now on that growing story in the global energy markets. The recent surge in price for natural gas, particularly in Europe. Now, if you are not paying attention to this, you should be. Wholesale natural gas prices have gone parabolic lately to record highs. Now, there are a few reasons, and it's kind of nearly the, the perfect storm for pricing. First, literally, the recent storms impacting U.S. production and increasing competition globally for gas. Also, lower supplies of gas to Europe from Russia. There was also a recent fire at a U.K. power plant, and a shortage of power isn't being made up by renewables because literally the wind stopped blowing in much of Europe this summer. In fact, wind power not producing nearly as much, about half, as what was expected. The question is, could there actually be shortages of power this winter in Europe? Ola Hansen is the head of commodity strategy at Saxo Bank, and he joins us now. Uh, Ole, thank you for joining us. It's only been a short-term trend. I'm not sure I have ever seen this kind of run in this short of a period for a commodity like Nat Gas. How about you, and where do you see it heading? Uh, good morning, Brian. No, absolutely right. This is, uh, as you said, it's a parabolic rise. Uh, we've seen it within a very short period of time. But it, it, it's also just a combination of, as you, as you mentioned, of several things that just gone wrong uh, this year in the European power market. And it is really uh, critical when you see such an essential commodity rise to this extent, because it's obviously impacting everyone from industry to consumer. And I think it's only really now during the past couple of weeks, it started to dawn on people uh, what, what is going on, because it is a kind of, well, in the U.S., we have got the Henry Hub natural gas futures contract. We can all relate to it. We understand it. The European gas market is a bit more archaic and a little bit more difficult for uh, for a layman to understand. So, uh, But this, these developments are most certainly attracting uh, attention. And the question is, is, is obviously, what is what's the, what the future hold? And, and we have become, to a certain extent, victims of our green transformation focus, because what is happening when we when we have to reduce uh, the amount of coal? We obviously move to, to look towards gas, uh, stable gas supplies. We also look towards wind and sun. And when the wind, uh, has, as you mentioned, has uh, has fallen off uh, in terms of the uh, the supply, we just saw Ørsted, a Danish company, one of the biggest offshore power generators. They've had a horrible quarter uh, because uh, simply the wind hasn't blown. That is uh, that is critical now because you, utilities have to buy up coal. When they buy up coal, they have to buy more emissions contracts, and that's all driving up the price, not only for gas but also for power. So, um, so it's going to be an interesting winter. Yeah, it all depends really on on the the weather. If we're going to see another cold winter like we had last year, we may have a problem. Yeah, and let's hope for for a warmer than than expected winter. Because to your point, Ole. Um, a lot of consumers, by the way, now correct me if I'm wrong, because I know all countries do it differently. Here in the U.S., we have more sort of dynamic pricing. A lot of consumers in Europe are on a fixed contract for their power costs. And I think every six months it, it resets. 
Spain, not that way. In fact, a lot of Spaniards are very angry. Their bills have soared. They're doing things like laundry at midnight to keep the power bills down. Um, If this continues and when those prices reset, this could be a big deal for consumers as well, either not having enough heat or paying out the nose for the heat they're able to produce. You're absolutely right. The uh, the impact right now is probably not being felt as hard as uh, as it will over the coming months if this uh, these high levels continues because these some of these uh, contracts will roll off, extended into uh, into uh, these new and much higher price regimes. So so it it will impact. We're already also seeing industry now uh, starting to have have a, a impact uh, that that kind of input costs and uh, and it, it is also it's 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 adding to the. The, the worry that the this growth we've seen in in Europe, uh, the post-pandemic uh, growth sprint, that potentially could become a little bit on stock here, and uh, and and the the. The climate change, the global trend, the green transformation is a key source because right now the competition for gas, which in the U.S. gas price has been stuck in a two, three dollar range for for forever, which is uh, amazing for such an important commodity. Now the the competition is 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 heating up. Uh, China wants to reduce its uh, its emissions. Uh, they are they are turning to more gas instead of coal. So the global competition is really fierce, and uh, that basically means if you got an LNG ship, uh, you will be busy over the coming years. Yeah, names here like Chenier and some of the other ones out there, Chenier in particular, may may have a huge benefit. We've seen these prices spike, and we love the move to renewables, Ole, because it's the wave of the future. But it also shows that you've got to you've got to make the timing right, correct? Because the fact that coal is shut off, but now they're kind of desperate for coal. The wind didn't blow. Uh, hydropower in Norway hasn't also done what it's supposed to do. Uh, leaders there, and there's a climate summit coming up in Scotland. It's a 12-day summit. It's a huge one at the end of September, early October. We're going to have to learn to manage this transition in a way that doesn't harm consumers. Indeed, and we are at the point now that uh, that if this uh, continues, someone uh, said the other day, we are, are we getting to the point where politicians are getting more uh, worried about blackouts than uh, than climate change, and that obviously will be uh, will be uh, a focus point over the coming weeks. But I, th- I think you're absolutely right. The the transition needs to be gradual. But at the same time, we also need need to look at some of the some other alternative sources. Uh, nuclear power is still uh, something that's uh, very strong in France. It's in the U.S. It's uh, growing in Asia. But uh, we've seen some of these uh, power plants being decommissioned uh, over the past decade. And uh, I think that's really in order yeah. to achieve that base load that is required uh, on the days where the sun doesn't shine or the wind doesn't blow. That is really uh, one, of the, uh, one of the sources that I think there will be renewed focus on, especially in Europe. Let's hope for not a cold winter. Ole Hansen of Saxo Bank. Ole, it's an important topic. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank All right, you. coming up, we're going to go from fossil fuels to renewable energy and speak of the CEO of one SPAC that is making a big bet on that sector. Phyllis Newhouse is next. We're back right after this. All right, welcome back. Well, we just talked about fossil fuels. Now let's transition to a discussion about transitioning to a more renewable power. Recently, a new SPAC, Athena Acquisition, decided to merge with a company called Heliogen which is a revolutionary solar power company started by Bill Gross. No, not that Bill Gross, the other Bill Gross. Phyllis Newhouse is the CEO of Athena and cybersecurity firm Extreme Solutions. She's also a pioneer because she also runs the only all-female SPAC and is currently the only black woman to run a SPAC at all. She's a member of the Forbes 50 over 50 investments 
and a 22-year Army veteran. After that introduction, Phyllis, I don't know if we have time for the interview. Kidding. Welcome. <laughs> we have Great time. to have you Good on the show. Morning. Good morning to you. That's a long card. That's many LinkedIn profiles, Phyllis. It's great to, it's great to have you on the program. Uh, first off, you, heard, you probably heard the previous segment. Let's talk about this. The Bill Gross, the idea guy, not the bond guy, coming up with this idea about how to sort of really target solar power. What did you see in Heliogen that made it so attractive to your SPAC, Athena? Well, I'll tell you this. We looked at over a dozen companies, and, there, and we had very, very strict criteria. What we looked for, we were looking for a strong technical capabilities, innovation, an ability to scale. And when we had an opportunity to talk to Bill Gross and his team, they checked every single box. And what got us really excited about it is that our SPAC had a lot of um, technical expertise and we wanted to deploy that. We wanted to work with a company that we felt like we had, we could bring something to the table. And I'll tell you what was exciting is that we found that Bill Gross was, was solving a very old, complicated problem. And how was he doing that? He was using AI, computer vision, and other advanced technologies to make solar wind and solar power more scalable, less dependent on the sun shining or the wind blowing. And so uh, he has uh, come up with this advanced technology and the concept uh, that's game-changing. And we were also looking for something that was going to be very, very disruptive in the energy and we believe that this technology is, is very disruptive in this techno- this industry. Yeah, and, and it's not just about solar. It also is solar to use what they call green. There's different types of hydrogen, and it's 540 in the morning. So without <laughs> sort of going into the science, you don't want to bore our viewers back to sleep. But green hydrogen, sort of the more renewable, uh, sustainable kind, using it to power that. I, I feel like, and I do a lot of energy reporting, Phyllis, that maybe the power of hydrogen is not reported enough. Absolutely. And it's a technology that's more efficient and economical than the traditional solar energy generation. And so the ultimate goal here is to replace fossil fuel and, 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 power, and be powered at the energy by power by the sunlight. That's what the ultimate goal is. So if you think of halogen, They've really solved the old problem. You know, computer vision has been around for a long time, but they found found a way that to, to use those advanced technologies to solve that very, very, very complicated problem in the industry. Yeah, and, and also this you mentioned AI, artificial intelligence earlier, Phyllis, because your background, twenty two year Army vet, but then you transition. You've got extreme solutions. You've been there twenty years. Cybersecurity and IT firm as well kind of plays in together. I want to ask you a question about that, because you've got both the sort of military background and cybersecurity. Where do we go on policy regarding all these hacks by foreign actors that we are seeing, Phyllis? I mean, if you can shut down the biggest pipeline in the United States and your back door of Atlanta, right? We we need the gas to come through Atlanta up here to New Jersey. Absolutely. Um, What kind of policy changes do we need to make? I think, uh, well, I, well, I think we're going to see a lot of gov- more strict governance and compliance around companies and holding them accountable. Because as you, I, I would just give you an example. Within the last two years, we've seen over a 7,000% increase uh, in ransomware attacks. And why, and why is that happening? Wow. Well, if you look at what happened, to the, what happened to the world, it changed. We went to a, a rapid work from home, remote organizations, even the largest organizations were not prepared 
for, um, uh, you know, for, to work from home. And so that's created a lot of problems in terms of uses, uh, uses of networks and, um, you know, not having a strict, uh, you know, health hygiene around, you know, using networks and organizations just weren't prepared. So what I see for the future, I see a lot of governance and compliance that's going to hold companies accountable. Because if you look at the cyber field alone, there's, I mean, there, there's a, a shortage in this field as well. And so you're having what, a 7,000% increase in cyber, uh, cyber attacks. Um, I, I yeah. think you're going wow. to have strict uh, governance. I mean, multi-thousand point increases in cybersecurity, shutting off gas. I mean, if that doesn't get a wake-up call maybe to policymakers, I'm not sure what will. Phyllis Absolutely. Newhouse of Athena Acquisition, Extreme Solutions. Philip, a real pleasure to, Phyllis, a real pleasure to have you on the show this morning. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Thank you for having me. All right. You're very welcome. All right. On deck. It's happening one day early. Your weekly look at the top insider buys, including... One company seeing the first kind of internal action of its kind in nearly five years. What's the company? You got to stick around to find out. Dow Futures off 39. We're back right after this. All right, welcome back. I've got some good news to report. I'm off tomorrow. Well, that's not the good news, or, or maybe it is. The good news is because of that, we are doing our weekly insider buying segment a day early to make sure that you get the names because these stocks have, as a group, been outperforming the overall market. So let us hit the stocks. Counting who is always down five to one. Here we go. Number five, Tenneco, a $450,000 buy by the chairman, the biggest buy of that company by an insider to date. Number four, Transdime, a $502,000 buy by the CFO. That is the first since he became an insider three years ago, and he bought on weakness. The third most insider buying, Teledyne, an executive making his second buy of the year. Snapped up about $639,000 worth. Number two, Rev Group. And if that sounds familiar, it should, because the chairman who bought here also had a big buy of about the same amount back in June. So basically, he's doubling down, buying $758,000 worth. But the most insider buying of the week, and we kind of alluded to it earlier in the show, is on Semiconductor. A $769,000 buy by a board member. And check this out. It is the first insider buy of any kind by anyone of any size since September or November of 2016, almost five years ago. So those are the names that we are watching. Tenneco, Transdime, Teledyne, the three T's, Rev Group and on Semiconductor. A reminder, we do this most weeks here on Wex, and with our thanks, as always, to InsiderScore.com. All right, now to the broader markets, because here's a question. Are we underestimating the macro risk of all the policy changes that are likely to come from D.C.? You've also got the FOMC meeting, and by the way, Jay Powell, who may not be a lock to be reconfirmed as Fed chairman. Let's bring in now Christina Hooper, of Invesco to talk more about this. It feels like, Christina, welcome back, um, that there's so much big regulatory and D.C. type stuff going on that the market seems to maybe not be ignoring, but do you feel like they're underestimating the potential impact? Well, actually, Brian, first of all, let me say it's great to be with you. 
I don't think there's a lot of underestimation going on. I think the apprehension that we felt in markets over the last couple of weeks, I mean, keep in mind that yesterday was the best day for the S&P 500 in more than two weeks. Um, that apprehension is because of the Fed meeting coming up next week. Um, it makes sense, even though the Fed has done a very good job messaging tapering this time uh, versus the last time around, um, what we do have is just some concern about the Fed actually announcing tapering next week, which I think is likely, and then commencing either in October or November. So I think that, that uh, it is um, in markets, it is being priced into markets, but I think it's a very short-term phenomenon and that once it's announced, we'll get past it. And I do think the gravitational pull is upward for stocks this year. Well, you know, it's like taxes or New Year's. Like we know it's coming, Christina. It's just kind of a question of, I guess, when it's it's either this meeting, which is unlikely, they don't have a meeting in October, then it goes to November, which I mean, whether it's November or January, though, as we've said, does that really matter? We do know this is coming. We do know this is coming. And Jay Powell did a very important thing in his Jackson Hole speech. He uncoupled uh, tapering from rate hikes. And I think that was an important distinction because I think this Fed is recognizing that interest rates have a much bigger impact on Main Street than does asset purchases. So they're more comfortable moving ahead with that. Uh, so, yes, it is coming, but we should expect a little apprehension right before it's actually announced, especially given that there's a little uncertainty, as you pointed out, as to whether it's going to be announced in September or a little, little later this fall. But once it happens, I think the deck is cleared uh, and then stock. Yeah. are likely to move higher. They are, because we've got threats of higher taxes on the wealthy, got threats of higher capital gains taxes, maybe a new tax on stock buybacks, whatever the Democrats are able to get done. Even if we got some or all of those, you think the path for the equity markets is still higher? It is. I mean, we have extremely accommodative monetary policy, and that does not change once tapering begins. Yes, we do have concerns about some regulation and some increase in taxes, but thus far we haven't seen much getting accomplished in Congress. Uh, so I I'm not really concerned about it right now. And we have the history yeah, to tell us say, that different. We have history to tell us that different tapering, tax regimes. Go ahead, Ryan. Tapering Sorry. is not is not tightening. So no, it's the this is the Zoom era, Christina. If if very quickly, <laughs> if you had to lay out, then what would be the maybe the biggest risk to the equity markets? Quickly, what would it be? Well, I think it would be the resurgence of a COVID nineteen um, pandemic. But when I say that, I mean a variant that is not protected again by existing vaccines. Okay, well let's <laughs> everybody out but there. But I think that's that very unlikely. I don't want to end up. No. Yeah. No. Please. Yeah. We don't. Want, we know it's the risk is there. Let's hope the risk is is low to none. But it certainly is out there, and uh, it is an exogenous risk that that does exist. Christina Hooper, chief market strategist of Invesco. A pleasure to have you back on. As always, Christina. Thank you. Have a great day. All right, folks. That does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. I will see you back on Monday. We got a lot more to do. Squawk and the gang will pick it up next. Have a great day. Take care. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.